0: Um, I'm, I'm really excited and anxious to introduce Ronnie Landis. I thought he was from Oregon, but he's actually from California, and he will be, certainly, be living up in Sedona, I think. And so, uh, Ronnie, without me taking any more time, come on up. At the end, we'll have a time for some Q&A, mm-hmm. so if you have any questions along the way, write them down. And I've, I've got some, so i okay. will have some questions at the end. Okay, thanks, Ronnie. All right, let's give Chuck a big hand. Thank you. Thank you everyone. Good. Everyone are excited to be here? Wonderful. All right, well, I'm Ronnie Landis. I'm really excited that everyone's here, and I want to say that before we start, I want to acknowledge everyone here because with all the endless choices on the menu board of the universe, you could have done anything tonight. All right, what is it, Monday night? Monday night in Tucson? Right, you could have done anything, I, I don't know, it could have gone playing pool, could have gone bowling, could have gone to a movie, the pub, what I, I don't know, you know this is my first time here, I don't know what there is to do, but the point is you could do anything you want, right, and instead of those options, you chose to come here and kind of tune into, for some of you, this may be new information, this may be a completely new concept, right, And for some of you, I imagine that you've been into this world for a while. Some of you may be even organophiles, right? You've probably been into this for years and years and years, and for some reason you just kind of keep coming back, right? And here you guys are to take in information, take in a new perspective, and I really value that, so I want to honor you guys for making the choice to be here tonight. And to upgrade the energy that we're all gonna kind of be celebrating here. And my my way of introducing a lot of information <coughs> in terms of health and food and personal development and success philosophy and peak performance and all the different things that I like to bring to the table is in a format of edutainment. Okay, I find that if we are entertained, we tend to tune into things a little better. We tend to actually pay more attention. And that's the way I like to educate people nowadays. I, I, I find that even... I, I'm very technical, I'm very scientific, I'm very, like, to the T and all that. Like, I, I can listen to, like, research scientists for a while, but after a while, it kind of gets to the point where it's like, hmm, it's not really entertaining, it's not really striking my imagination. If I'm not getting a vision for my future within the framework of the conversation... Um, If it's too technical, then it's not really that practical, and that's what I'm really about. That's part of my work is like it's really a fusion of two different ideas, which is one health, nutrition. And that whole, that whole conversation, every single conceivable aspect of nutrition, ranging from raw living foods, from superfoods, from living water, to natural nature based supplementation, to tonic herbalism, and all the different categories of herbalism from every great lineage that ever walked this planet, um, and just really living and, and entertaining more of a naturalistic approach to the 21st century. And that whole conversation, right? I'm all into that. But then there's there's a big part of that that's missing, which is the mental mastery part. And I grew up under success technology, under success philosophy. I grew up watching like Anthony Robbins and Jim Rohn and Les Brown and um, Bob Proctor and uh, everyone that's ever been on The Secret and Michael Beckwith, who actually is now Someone that I I know, he had Michael, Reverend Michael Beckwith wanted to do a chocolate project with me um, a number of years ago, never happened, but I I just spoke at Agape for the second time uh, almost a month ago, you know, Agape Spiritual Center, non-denominational spiritual center in Los Angeles, I spoke there and did a whole like raw food and superfood piece there, and they really, they're tuned into it, they have a live food ministry, there, which is kind of cool. So you go and get the download from Michael Beckwith, and then you go and get the download from someone like me or whoever's teaching that class. And about two years ago I actually did a chocolate a chocolate presentation at Agape. And we went through the whole ins and outs of the whole world of cacao and chocolate and the history and how to really like cultivate it. And Reverend Beckwith actually walked in during the presentation and he, you know, we were kind of going back and forth and he wanted to do a chocolate project. So didn't happen, but I thought that was kind of cool. He's all into this stuff too, you know. And um, him and Victoria Skolvinskis hang out. You know who that is. And um, yeah, he's one of the yeah he's one of the um, pioneers of the modern day raw food movement. Him and Ann Moore. And so, anyways, the other side of this whole equation, of this food equation, is that information that comes out of that whole world. Right? and I was raised on that stuff, how to like, tune in your attitude, how to, how to really train your mind in the inner dialogue that we're having with ourselves. Right? Have you guys noticed that sometimes your mind gets away from you, and it has its own conversation, it has its own opinion, it has its own little dialogue going on, and sometimes we get wrapped into that, and if we just take a moment to come back to, to center, we get present, we realize, like, whoa, wait a minute, what's going on? It's like a movie reel. And we're not necessarily a part of it. But it's like these things, these are little programs that we have. So that's a big part of my work is actually distilling and deprogramming the program. Because you can eat all the food and all the raw food and superfoods and all everything you want, but if you're not doing the work on your inner environment, your, your inner mastery process, then the food is only, it's really actually, um, it becomes more neurotic. It becomes a form of neurosis where you get hyper focused on food and you don't really get to the part about like what food's actually doing. Like raw food is really a technology. Superfoods and herbalism and water and all these other things that we'll talk about, these are all technologies that we can take advantage of to create an access point. To what's really going on? That's what I found in my own experience was that there were certain there were certain blockages going on within my own my own inner process that I didn't I didn't realize were there. You know, growing up I, from the age of four years old, I, I was born into martial arts. That was how I lived. I, I lived my life under the principles of Eastern philosophy and martial arts and um, sports training. You know, sports science, and that was pretty much my life for about 24 years. 29 now, right? And so that was pretty much where I come from, but at the same time, I, I, I got turned on to that success literature and that information. I started reading books like As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, um, you know, the, uh, was, I was talking in Phoenix last night about this one um, The Game of Life and How to Play It by Florence Shelfish. And these are like the old school books, like in the 1920s. Right before the, all the new all the new stuff that you see out there now, that's pretty much on every bookshelf. It's all just ha- rehash and reiterations of that stuff. Like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. What's really cool? Every single one of those books that I, I grew up with, I didn't really understand all of it at the time. But now, as a young man coming into the food world, coming into the health world, coming into like the self liberation process and really now understanding what's going on in the world, like what we actually need to start turning around, start understanding the actual problems that we have in our world and how to create solutions. Now the gems and wisdom that I got as a young man are now coming full circle. Now I'm remembering and think and grow rich. There was two really important things that I got out of that book. One of them was whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve right and then another thing that came out of that book was that within every single problem that ever that you ever are faced with within every problem that exists it also carries the seed of its very solution right that that to me is a very powerful piece of information to take back with us is that whenever we're, we're caught with an obstacle something comes in front of us um, like a stumbling block, we have two different ways of approaching it. We could treat it as if this is a problem, this is hopeless, this is the worst thing ever, and there's no way around it. That's typically what people do. right? I was on the phone with this woman from the, the Arizona shuttle. And I was like, okay, I need to get a shuttle from, from Tucson to Sedona in two days. She's like, well, did you into this whole store? It's impossible. Like, what do you mean? Okay, fine, let me get on my GPS real quick and unimpossible it for you real quick. It's like Because we have these assumptions, like, oh, you it's, it's, it can't do it, it's, it's, un, it's an immovable wall, right? Just, we create problems out of problems. So we could keep doing that, or we could really, like, activate solution consciousness, prosperity consciousness, expansion, instead of contraction. That's an option. So we have those options at every turn we go, and... If you start to tune in to the idea that, okay, I have a problem, maybe that problem or that challenge is actually there to help me grow. Maybe it's not actually a problem at all. Maybe everything in the world is actually born out of duality, um, and it's just my perspective, it's my interpretation of the situation that you know that's leading me down a corridor. And I got that again from Charles Dickens, The Tale of Two Cities. It's the same kind of concept that Napoleon Hill's talking about. when you open up the tale of two cities, what does it say in there? When you open the book up, there's a line. That's the best of time. Who's the best? The worst, worst of times. Time. Okay. Guys are more tuned in than they were last night. No one got it. But it's the worst of times, and it's the best of times. Typically, all the time. From my experience, as far as I can tell, right? One end we have doom and gloom and war and Bill O'Reilly and whatever. Right? And on the other end, on the other end, we have like the most abundant, prosperous situation that's ever been implanted in the world. Ever! Like you we've never actually had more abundance and prosperity in the world than we do right now, right here. It's actually a joke. And the pharaohs are actually turning over in their grave right now, wishing they were here, because all they had was like aloe vera and honey and some interesting uh, technology as well that we're now kind of tuning into. But the reality is, if you actually look at the big picture, we have more abundance and more options than we ever have before. So that's how I want to segue into this whole conversation, is that to understand that this whole food thing, is not about a diet. Like, the concept of a diet is based on scarcity, it's based on poverty consciousness, it's based on restriction and deprivation, and fear in a lot of ways. If you look at the word diet, it has the word die in it. <laughs> so anyone notice this? No. So people wonder, why do I get on a diet and I've been doing the diet thing for 10 years? I've been doing it for 20 years, and all of a sudden I'm in a worse place than I was before I started. I looked at that for a while. I was like really like, whoa, like what this is interesting. Like, someone's been on like genetically modified, pasteurized, homogenized, like the whole story, like milk products and every kind of like conventional, hormonally-injected, antibioticized, and every kind of chemical estrogen uh, spray you can imagine, right, whatever environmental toxin injected in the food. Most of the food that we ever grew up with was actually chemicals masquerading as food. (laughs) And yet, when people get onto diets and they get down that whole rabbit hole for 10 years, they're, they're in a worse situation than they were before. So I actually had to start looking at that for myself, because I'm a nutritionist. I like, I was like, you know, that, like, that doesn't make any sense. I actually figured out it's, it's kind of this yo-yo thing that goes on in our society. We're all looking for the magic bullet. We're all looking for that, that one thing that's going to like make our dreams happen, right? It's kind of like an Epicurean kind of philosophy. I thought there was a really interesting thing I tuned into recently is this difference between like the Stoic mindset and the Epicurean mindset. Right? Like so the Stoics were more like into like foregoing immediate gratification and, and actually preparing for what they want and actually diligence and like old school fashion like values, right? Pretty much. And and my generation and my Parents' generation in a lot of ways were more like into the credit card consciousness. Right? And which is more of like an Epicurean mindset. It was like, well, we're gonna live for today, because you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. So we're just gonna drink wine, eat cheese, and and <laughs> put it on the card. Because you gotta live for today. And I found like that's that's really interesting because 30 years after that whole that whole like kind of philosophy is born out, as far as I can tell. Um we're seeing the repercussions of that attitude. And I think that's really... I, I only bring that kind of thing up in the framework of this because this is really important when it comes to the whole, the whole conversation around libits. That's really what it is, it's not about diet. It's about how do we infuse substances in our body that cause us to generate more life force energy, more life force potential. So we actually start living... Right? We actually start to generate enough energy within our body and within our mind so we can take action on the things we want to do in our life. And if we're on a yo-yo thing, if we're on a diet, um, what's going to happen is that we're just going to bounce back and forth between ideologies. We're going to go back and forth between, like, oh, I'm on the vegetarian thing, I'm on the vegan thing, I'm on the raw food thing, whatever. And then, oh, I'm getting a cold. Okay, I'm going to switch over to paleo is this person over there in the white trench coat or whatever told me that this doesn't work. And so now all of a sudden I have to do this. And that's what people do. I see it all the time. People are swinging back and forth because someone told them. Like, oh, that vegan thing, like, that that doesn't work. <laughs> that vegetarian thing, like, that doesn't work. Raw food? No, you got to cook your lettuce. What are you talking, like Chinese Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine? So like, you need raw food, you're going to get a damp wet spleen, it's too, it's too cold, it's too damp, you can't do that, right? And so we have a lot of assumptions about what is real, what's not, the nature of reality, and what actually works. And I think what's important about that too, is that um, Chuck brought up a really important point, is that it's really experimentation, like I'm not gonna be up here, I'm not gonna be the guy who tells you that you need to eat this way, you need to be a vegan or a vegetarian or a frugivore or a fruitarian or whatever, like insectivore or carnivore. Like I I literally I could care less because it's so far away from what's actually important. What's important is that you tune into what makes sense to you, where you're at. Because I could be telling you about this raw food message, but if you're not quite there yet. Then it actually could have a catalytic effect in the opposite direction if we push too much. Because people in our society, there's a lot of trauma going on with us. We've been traumatized. Like we talk about post traumatic stress syndrome, it's not just a war thing, it's like we're, we've all dealt with that. I think that's why a lot of us actually are tuned into the vegan message, it's because we can relate. Like, a lot of us have gone through the trauma, so when we find out about factory farming and fracking and child slave labor and the environmental catastrophe and and the whole thing, suddenly it's like, oh my god, like, I I can actually relate with that, so we, we actually want to be a voice for that, and I think that part of it's really beautiful, I think that's more of what the world needs, I think that... If we have that, that kind of sanctity for life, we're going to be able to promote a great message in the world and in our family and whoever we're trying to influence. But it starts with us, right? So you have to experiment with yourself. You have to figure out what works for you right now. Because what works for you now may not work for you tomorrow. It may... It may you may... There's, a, there's, a, um, there's an adjustment period. Like, for example, who here... Is, is into raw food oh interesting okay who here is just stepping into it like stepping into the idea like I assume if you came here then you're, you're stepping in right it did say raw food like we're going we to talk about raw food the I think that was right in there right does anyone know where they're at we know why we're here she asked me to come okay is no one going to raise their hand no matter what I say? Okay. okay. Uh, I'd like to know about your publishing process, but you can do it at the end if you want. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. We're going to do a QA and a as well. So where this is all leading is basically um, to understand that what what you're being invited to step into right now is a realm of possibilities that, that you probably had no idea about. Because my experience and many other experiences of people that have been very successful at transforming their life via what they put in their mouth, via food, um, what shows up is that it's, it's taking one thing at a time. Right, that's a really important thing because I find that in the in the industry and in the field of diet, people get on these swings and then they think like it's all or nothing. And it's not all or nothing. It's never ever all or nothing. It's one thing at a time. If you want to learn how to master the the self-liberation process, the transformation process, it comes down to this one sentence. It's a it's subtraction by addition. That's the key. If you want to crack the whole thing right there, that's the key. It's subtraction by addition. You don't focus on, okay, I'm going to take everything away. This person said I can't eat this, so I'm just going to, to, oh God, but I really want it, but you know, you're fighting yourself. We've all been there. we We do that on a daily basis. So instead of what happens, if we just go the other way, instead of trying to take things out of our life, we just add something into our life. We invite a new possibility to come in. Because over the years, what that will do, or over time, some people, it's a little quicker. I've seen people transform that I never thought would get on to it. I've seen people transform in an instant. I've seen people have the most profound religious experiences after getting a colonic, Where they have been like into theology, they've been into like the whole religion thing for like 20 years. And never once had a religious experience... But they, you know, they were just going for, you know, whatever reason. Um, But once they got their first colonic, once they had, like, 64 ounces of green vegetable juice every day for, like, a week or two, all of a sudden, they started to experience profound states of, like, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, like, experiences with them. So the heightened states of feeling is what it is within themselves. I've seen people transform like that, Right? So it's a combination of these two different things. And that's what my book's about primarily, what my philosophy is about, and how I like to teach is bringing these two seemingly opposite components of food mastery, health mastery, lifestyle mastery, and success mindset. And not success in the way of like, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of money and be a millionaire, I'm going to buy a yacht and a car and whatever, like whatever that is right, it's actually, it's, success to me is daily mastery of our own behavior, because we all know what to do, that's the funny thing about it, is we all know what to do, but there's reasons why we don't do certain things, like all of us know that it's probably a good idea to have more vegetables, organic's probably a good idea, right, Eating like for some of us, like upgrading to superfoods, upgrading to some of these amazing little immune-supporting herbs and things like that. Upgrading our water, like we know that that's important, but there's a reason why we may not do it, right? I I find it's it's typically something called excusitis, and it's just kind of bred in us based because of society. So what the food thing does is it starts to break down all the. The numbing mechanisms, the coping mechanisms that we've we've put into our body over time to just kind of cope with life. When you start to get on green vegetable juice, you start to upgrade your water practices, you start to drink more water. Not tap liquid, by the way. Right? That's I just want to say that that's a big distinction. When I say water, I'm not talking about what's coming out of the tap, because that's not water like very literally it has nothing to do with water by the time it comes out. It's some kind of like it's some kind of corrosive liquid with over 75,000 known chemicals, one of the main ones being used toilet paper. Plus whatever everyone else is kind of putting into, it's basically recycled municipal water from the toilet and the whole system, it's all being recycled, right? So if we stopped it, we just kind of like you know stop doing that so much and start to put in clean water. It could start with like filtered water like for some of us. It just starts there, right? But it, I guarantee, if you get onto this and you start to in the morning when you wake up, instead of maybe the coffee or the whatever it is, you know typically for people I find like a lot of times it's the coffee thing. Right? Because that's like where we live in a very like hyper-stimulated society. We live in a society that is dominated by adrenal fatigue and hypoglycemia. Right, So that's basically where we can't produce our own energy anymore. We've tapped out our, our, our body's natural energy reserves via our kidneys, our adrenal glands. Our blood sugar is doing this kind of thing. So we need to constantly feed ourselves just to maintain level focus. Right? Who here's experienced that before? Or know somebody. It wouldn't be us. But we know somebody that may have that situation. Like, for example, if you go to work and you know, like, okay, there's certain people you don't talk to until after 9:30. You just know. Like, I that's the that's the dude right there. Like, I'm gonna and when he comes in and he has his coffee, and then after that it's all clear. But if you go to approach him, like, hey, good morning. It's like you're starting, you're starting like a big tsunami, right? <laughs> and we all know people like that, right? A lot of that is just hypoglycemia. It's a blood sugar uh, issue. So how do you deal with that? One of the ways that you start to deal with that is actually you practice hydration first thing in the morning. This is a big thing I've been telling people is actually when you wake up in the morning, really focus on your elimination process, right? Your body is in a natural detoxification process from about 4 a.m. till 12 p.m., noon, right? 11 or noon, typically. So what you want to start moving towards with ease, grace, and flow, step by step, is actually doing more of a liquid protocol in the morning. Like, we're not designed to eat these, like, bacon, cheese, biscuit things in the morning. Baked, like, right? Like, that whole idea, or like carbo loading, like these huge, like, eight pancakes. Right? Like, does anyone remember that? Or does anyone know about that? One time? I remember that. I remember all that, being an athlete. They're like, you gotta have like a, a pound of spaghetti. That's the only way. Like, that's interesting, because now I'm still an athlete. And I do like one tablespoon of. Coconut oil with like a little cho- like hot chocolate, herbal tea. I'm good to go for hours. I don't need to. I don't even need to eat half the time. Like half the time I'm eating is out of entertainment, really. Like I don't have those issues anymore, but I probably did, right? So actually, getting hydrated in the morning and flushing out all the acid waste products that are basically silting up our body, right? Flushing that stuff up. Or flushing that stuff out. One gallon, or not one gallon, one liter of the best water you have access to, with one-fourth teaspoon of sea salt in it, will be like the number one key that unlocks your your metabolic treasure chest. Does anyone know what I mean by that? I say your metabolic treasure chest, your metabolism. So we've, we've heard of that, right? Like your metabolism. That's like, if you have a fast metabolism, you lose weight quickly. If you have a slow metabolism, you can't lose weight or you put on weight or whatever. That's a very, like, overly simplified thing. Basically, your metabolism is running your whole system. It's running your brain function. It's running your ability to rejuvenate, to heal yourself, everything, right? Your thyroid, for example, is the, the gland right here that actually it dictates what goes on with your ability to like your temperature for example like how when you go into new environments if you get really hot or if you're, you're cold you run a little cold that kind of thing also how you how you're able to put on or lose weight and as simple as it sounds the water and salt piece is fundamental for that right And then after that you start to move into a daily progression of instead of the big bacon pancake thing, whatever that is, and if you're on that then know that you can actually upgrade that. Instead of doing whatever the conventional thing is, you can do like quinoa pancakes, do like brown rice pancakes, something like that, and that's an upgrade moving up. But my ideal recommendation is that you start to practice with actually going liquids. In the morning. So, after you do your water thing, you can start to move into if you're really into juicing, for example, juicing, um, vegetable juicing, is a really great segue moving forward. And then after that, it could be like your herbal tea, like your medicinal mushroom, hot chocolate, herbal tea, something like that, right? To get things going. So, if you're into the coffee thing, how do you do the subtraction by addition? Well instead of the coffee, you add in the hot chocolate tonic. That tastes a million times better than the coffee, and it's better for you, and you actually get more energy from it. And you don't have the two or three o'clock dip. Does that make sense? Then after that it might be like your your superfood smoothie. Or your fruit smoothie or whatever your thing is, right? So you work with your habits, what you're already start to look at, this is what I got from all that success literature, is that it, it you know, Anthony Robbins used to say like, if you want to get a hold of your life, look at your situation as it is. Don't look at it worse than it is, but don't make a fantasy of it either. Like, look at what's going on. Be real about it, and then start to evaluate. Okay, what can I, what can I adjust? What little thing can I adjust in the moment to precipitate a result or a better result? You know, moving forward, right? So really just looking at what we can do in the moment, beginning where we're at. Okay, so that's that. Um, so moving forward from that concept, so that, that again, that's my, that's my core way of, of bridging these two philosophies of you are what you eat with you are what you think about, right? There was a book called uh, The Strangest Secret. It was by a guy named Earl Nightingale. And he actually was like the pioneer of like Mobile University. Right, where you basically pop in an audio tape of people. Like people have made millions of dollars. People have done some pretty extraordinary things in the world. Are we aware of that? Yes, no, maybe so. Sure. Right, now here's what's crazy about that. They've actually written books on how they've done it. And they've re- actually recorded themselves on tapes. And all we have to do is pop that tape into our car or go on, I, on Amazon or iTunes and, and download it and we can actually crack the secrets of how someone did what we're trying to do. And we don't necessarily have to reinvent the wheel either. We could actually just kind of follow up. well, this person did this and they keep getting these results. Well, maybe if I do that, I might get similar results too. Like that exists, right? Now, Earl Nightingale had this thing called the strangest secret. Does anyone know what the strangest secret is? No. you become what you think about? There is no secret. <laughs> well he sure thought there was. And his, his thing was, you are what you think about, and most of the world doesn't know it. Now that that's that I believed that for a long time. And I think that's paramount to this whole conversation. But what's interesting about that is he was so into that, you're thinking. You think it, think it, think it, think it, think it. You're thinking all the time. You think your way to it. But after one too many stakes, he had a heart attack. So apparently, you can't just think your way to good health and just haphazardly do whatever else, right? There's another component. So I found out that you are what you think about is actually secondary. Secondary. What's primary is you are what you eat. That's a huge piece of it. And the whole food world is they're all talking about food. Nutritionists are just talking about nutrition. And all these other, the mental mastery and success philosophers are talking about that. And so my generation's kind of coming in like, okay, this is great, this is great, we get it. How about we bring it together? Like, what happens if we eat the best food possible, we think the best thoughts possible, and we do it at the same time? Like, maybe we can actually create something new instead of, like, a new form of neurosis. Because I've seen it on both ends, and it's like, whoa, okay, guys, like, just, there, there's a common ground. There's a middle path to walk, right? Um, so, I, and all this comes out for me, all this comes about from inviting one new thing at a time. For me, it was six years ago, I invited, uh, you know, getting barefoot. I invited actually getting out of the cast, the shoe, and getting barefoot on the ground, doing my warm-up exercises for for basketball and martial arts barefoot, and actually finding out that I could readjust my my alignment by instead of wearing the shoe, that pushed up my heels. So I started lowering everything and walking around and, and really just exercising. Barefoot, And I found out actually my whole my whole alignment started to snap back. My neck pain, my back pain, my, my hip, my, my knee pain, ankle, all of it started to go away completely within a couple weeks. And then I started to invite green vegetable juices into my life. And I started to invite more organic salads in my life. Eventually I started to invite... Uh, you know, raw chocolate and, and herbs and superfoods into my life, and water. And what ended up happening is that every old injury I ever had from sports completely dissolved in 30 days. I've been an athlete for 24, 25 years up to that point, completely gone. Right. So for me, that was that was like proof positive. I didn't need any scientists, anyone to prove anything to me. I was like, pfft. my own experience was proof enough, right? Judging by your own experience. I could sit up here and rattle nutrition information off. I could dance circles around 90% of the, the professionals in the world. That's, and that's not a braggadocious thing. That's just something like I, I, I'm at a point where I've, I've kind of tuned in obsessively enough where it's just like it's so obvious to me. But also, I've kind of hit another point where there's, a, there's other things that I'm tuning into now. It's the subtle things. The subtle things that weren't that may not be so obvious. The things that actually cause us to make instant change in our life, right? Um, but again, not to go too far on that side, to bring it back to center here, it came from putting the right stuff into my mouth. Right? So, uh, so at this point, we probably all know like raw food is good for us. Right? Now let's clarify. What am I talking about? I'm talking about like raw fish. Like raw meat yeah. products. Is that what I'm talking about? No, no I, that's not what I'm talking about. That may be what someone else is talking about. But I'm really not into that anymore because I know the problems with that stuff. I'm not really... I mean, I'm not into meat products, but I, I'm, not, I'm also not into fanaticism either. I'm not into telling people you're wrong and you need to do this. Like, it, we're all intelligent. We're all intrinsically geniuses. So you can figure that one out for yourself. But I will say when it comes to raw animal products, not necessarily raw dairy products, that's a whole different conversation, but like raw flesh products, the problems with it are um, they're more energetic than cooked animal products. There's an, actual, there's, a, there's an actual energetic sealant when you cook a piece of flesh. right? It displaces a lot of the actual energy on in that, that flesh product. And another thing about it, so actually, if you're going to eat flesh products, you need to cook it. Just based on that, that kind of, if you believe in that, I mean, it's all measurable, but if you believe in that on some kind of like karmic or spiritual level, then that's why you actually cook uh, flesh products. But the other part of it is parasites. Like flesh products, all across the board, like you're not going to get away from it. Because that's what's, that's actually what is intrinsically a part of the, the tissue of of an animal, and us too, right? If you eat the random carving or the musculature out of a, a cow, for example, or a fish, or a pig, whatever it is, there's going to be a parasitic component to it. So that's actually another reason why you have to cook it. Because if you don't, you are you are automatically ingesting pathogens, basically. Like viruses, bacteria, Fungus, fungus of all kinds, um, and specifically parasites, like worms, right? And you can look it up. You can study parasitology. I have a good friend, Robert Cassar on the Big Island, I uh, hung out with for a while, and he'll, he'll, he'll tell you all about that one. You can look him up on YouTube, Dr. Robert Kassar. He'll go, he'll go on for hours and hours and hours about every single type of tapeworm and fishworm and hookworm and everything. And he'll show you pictures. It's crazy, right? So that's that. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, edible flowers, roots, right? Leaves, fermented foods, right? That kind of thing. That's what I'm talking about. All of the natural components of the plant world. So when I talk about nutrition, health, I come from a perspective of a plant-based diet. Again, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be plant-only diet, but plant-based. Right? That's the foundation. And when we talk about raw food, I talk. Of, I talk from a perspective of a high raw uh, approach. Right? I've also found that like all raw all the time doesn't really work for most people, and even the people that think it works for them, it typically probably doesn't all the time. Now you can for a long time, but what's interesting about Western civilization, people in the Western civilization, and then Chinese medicine and Ayurveda comes in at this point where it's like we're too hot. This is why raw food actually works really well for all of us on the Western side, because in, in our in our society we tend to run really hot, right? We're very aggressive. We're very like chi. We have a lot of chi. So the Chinese, say, like your chi. we have a lot of firepower. We're ambitious. We're constantly go, 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 go. So like green vegetable juice helps to cool down the fire, helps to cool out the engine, right? So if we're eating tons of cooked food, we're eating tons of animal food and processed food and whatever, then we're putting more gasoline on the fire. Does that make sense? We're just kind of instigating that, that heating. So we actually need to cool down. But what happens over the years is if you're too cool... Sometimes you can become too passive, I've seen that and I've felt that too.